You are listening to Keystone Stock Talk Show, episode 180. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for stopping by. This podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at www.keystocks.com. Come back often, and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or on iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at Keystocks and on Facebook, and keep submitting your stocks via the usual social channels or at our website, keystocks.com, for our Your Stock Artake segment. And we just might review your stock in an upcoming show and let you know if it is a buy, sell, or hold. Great to be back with you again this week. The markets are never boring. And over the week, FinTwit was all a flutter, calling issues at Swiss investment bank Credit Suisse's European Lehman Brothers moment. Uh, we'll take a quick look at this. We'll also look at a tweet from big short investor Michael Burry, where he references persistent sky-high valuations in the U.S. markets in many names. We also have an epic stock battle, which pitched Aaron against myself in a no-holds-barred cage match on Canadian software giant Constellation Software, symbol CSU on the TSX. It Constellation acquires mission-critical specialized software companies. Aaron argues the bull case, and I crush the poor sap with a logical bear case. In our Your Stock, Our Take segment, Brennan compares Canadian-listed steel giant Stelco Holdings, Inc., symbol STLC on the TSX, and Algoma Steel Group, symbol ASTL on the TSX. The latter saw its share price drop last week after operational issues hit its latest quarter and lower steel prices make for tough comparables moving into the next quarter. Aaron answers the question, or Brennan answers the question. Aaron can answer it if he wants. Brennan will answer the question from the listener on these two steel producers. So let's get into the show. I'm going to welcome my co-hosts, Aaron, the Killer Bees, Brett and Brennan. How are you guys doing? Aaron, your wife celebrated a uh, her her birthday over the weekend uh, which is weekend. awesome yes. Yep. yes we all yep. wish gab a happy 29th birthday appreciate did you that. celebrate yeah did, we did, did we she did. celebrate we went out of town we went out of town for the weekend uh you know a couple nice restaurants and some some nice family time so you know awesome. as, as uh you know a, a, a trip with your family is never really a vacation but uh, so i don't know if it was relaxing for her but uh she said she had a good time so so you did celebrate. That. That's good. Yeah. That's good. That's good. I had a celebration of sorts. My mother-in-law left uh, for a month to Africa and Egypt yesterday. So Ooh. happy days for me. Wow. I kid, Yvonne, if you're listening, which you are surely not listening, but we will miss you. <laughs> Where else in Africa? <laughs> I was going to say she can pick up a check once in a while, but again, she's not listening. So that's the only way I can say that. I'm kidding. Mm -hmm. Yvonne's awesome. She Where? Uh, she's going on a safari. So right, right. Uh, to the plains of Africa, going to. Uh, so I've, I've heard Botswana the... is is incredible. That's that's one place. That She's like actually been and said yeah. it was awesome. So going back a second time, and then obviously to Egypt to see mm -hmm. the great pyramids and everything. Which yeah. I've so been. Should, as I mean, well. it should be I've, awesome. I've been to Egypt in the past, so I can. I can have you been on a safari though? I have not. No. Some of the conferences we're at are kind of a bit of a safari, though. I mean, just <laughs> with the, the, the barnyard the oddities that we see there. Yeah, yeah it's true. Yeah. 
Anyway, so do we want to we want to look at some uh, issues uh, around the markets? Uh, we got a m- meme up there now um, from. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought. Yeah, it was funny. I was do you want to? Do want, does anybody want to read read that one? Uh, I'll I'll read it. I I sent yes, this to, Brennan. Uh, to the guys you. here. Um, I, I was on Instagram and and saw. Uh, this get posted. So this is Jerome Powell. He's up on the screen and he says, I'm going it's a, to a keep... direct quote, right? <laughs> this is not a direct quote, <laughs> but he says, I'm going to keep raising rates until you assholes stop trading monkey JPEGs. So for the people that don't understand this, um, there's been a lot of mania around uh, these uh, monkey NFTs called Bored Apes that have been trading. I mean, essentially, it's like collectible art on the internet that people have been like trading for $20,000. And they're doing this now? Or is this something that was happening six months Uh, ago? Six months ago, still I, happening I now. Have a picture okay. for that one. <laughs> yeah. Well, so here, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Brett, you've been buying. Your, oh, okay, perfect. Yeah. Oh, nice. There we yeah, go. No. So here we are. Great. Three percent. I thought. I thought you had a picture of your own monkey JPEG. <laughs> oh, of course. NFT. D- yeah. Of course. Yeah. No, I just have a picture of Brennan on my wall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <there you> go. <laughs> wow. How much are you going to get in the NFT wow. market for that? Right. Yeah. So <laughs> the, the, the volume at least hundred k at least. My mom okay, so yeah, so that that's that's what I expected—a huge drop from mm-hmm. the from the first quarter of this year numbers, when really the market was, you know, in that area, especially around January, hitting a peak. Um, yes, but just crazy. I mean, I, do you not to put you on the spot? Do you have any specific examples of um, of monkey JPEGs being bought for obscene prices, or do you know what? Oh yeah, kind of the, prices there. I, I twenty thousand is a low end. I can tell you for oh, yeah. the board yeah. apes. Like yep. they were, I think a couple even encroached a million. Mm-hmm. I yeah, I, th- I think you. I think oh, you were yeah. saying, didn't board apes actually hold up better during this period yeah, than, yeah, the, than many the other categories? Is, yeah. The irony, yeah. Board apes is the blue chips of <laughs> NFTs. <laughs> so okay, Brett, as that is. <laughs> so can anybody just create one of these board ape images and put it on? Yeah. Right. So this yeah. is the so, ultimate of something having value only because people just randomly decide mm-hmm. that it should have value, right? And that is what gives Correct. it this illusion of value or, you yeah. know, we, we can discuss philosophy, what is value, but that is what it is. So I could do a board eight or, or yeah, board eight JPEG and put it on the NFT market and maybe nobody looks mm-hmm. at it. So it's worth what my JPEG should be worth, which is zero, right? Or maybe for <laughs> some reason, a bunch of people love it and it goes viral and it's worth, you know, a couple hundred grand or a million dollars. Yeah. So I, I will say, so the, what I liken it to is any trading card, or whether it's like a Pokemon card, a hockey card, Yeah, which card, have gone nuts card, during this period too. Which, yeah, yeah, they've yeah. gone nuts as well, which is kind of expected. Those unique assets do go up in price, but mm-hmm. it does. So it, you can make a board ape. I can right click. The, the memes always right click and I'll save as and I own a board ape. <laughs> That, that's always the joke around it, which you can do, of course. So it's not really the art that's the value, it's the collector item, because you can trace back to the original issuance, which is the whole value proposition. I personally don't own any, just I'm putting that out there. I'm not I'm not some hoorah NFTs are the future type guy, but I would liken them to trading cards. So if you do believe the trading cards, whatever, have value, you could argue for the same for NFTs. Yeah, but the cer- certainly the volume, the excitement around all of these have come down, but, and you know oh, as yeah. asset prices deflate, they probably come down. Uh, and and I'm, I'm no expert on trading cards, but 
I would imagine that scarcity is something that drives value mm -hmm. for a physical Cars, trading yeah. card, right? Like if you have an original physical trading card, nobody else can replicate that because anything exactly. else is just a copy. Yeah. Whereas with an NFT, because it's digital, I mean, I suppose you could say that a copy is just a copy, but it is literally identical. Yeah. Um, so normally with, I know some NFTs are trying to kind of replicate that where you'll have condition to some sort. So mm -hmm. normally how trading cards are rated, though, you have like, an individual company, they'll value it or um, look at it to see the quality of it. And you'll have like a 10 score will be a perfect condition, nothing wrong. Because if you're not in the world, you won't understand that even a tiny little misprint changes the card's condition completely. Mm -hmm. So it could take it down from, let's say, a pristine A condition card that might go for $10,000. If it goes down like 10 8 an average person won't notice the difference. I personally wouldn't, but that might take you down to a few hundred dollars because there could be thousands of that condition, but only one or two of that pristine, perfect condition. So it's hard to argue NFTs are all pristine, but then they are all unique. When most trading cards, there is some sort of duplicates. NFTs, they have the effect of what they do is they take an algorithm, they randomize a picture. That's pretty much the formula, which you'll see for board apes and pretty much any of the other ones. The original one, which I remember, I don't know if it was first, it probably wasn't, was CryptoKitties, which is about five <laughs> years old now. Yes, CryptoKitties. <laughs> I, I learned about this actually when um, one of my professors in university had one. So, Oh, wow. Yeah, that is, it's, it's not just our generation. Uh, I think he was even a bit older than Ryan and Aaron. So. Wow. <laughs> Whoa, he must Ryan, be yeah. even older he, than us. He's on yes, I know, ancient. his deathbed, basically. <laughs> yeah, let's be serious. He, was, he must have been, he must have been, you know, in some well, I will say he was, an, he, he was an accounting professor. Yes. So yes. Yeah. There's, there's already sense. the derangement. <laughs> Good point. Now... <laughs> Uh, okay, well, let's look at FinTwit. I think over the weekend, all of Flutter over the um, really over issues at uh, Swiss Investment Bank, and we talked about this Credit Suisse, uh, Europe's calling it Europe's Lehman Brothers moment, a reference to the bankruptcy of Lehman Brothers on September 15th, 2008 or 2008 which was the climax of the subprime mortgage crisis. Generally speaking, uh, it is the point at which one company's disaster, this is what they call a Lehman Brothers moment, becomes everyone else's problem, as happened in September 2008 when the losses at Lehman, uh, made by betting on American subprime mortgage market, became insupportable. So let's look at who is Credit Suisse first. Um, they are a global investment bank, financial services firm founded and based in Switzerland. They have some primary areas of operation. A would be their Swiss bank and wealth arm, which is services essentially ex extremely rich people around the world. Uh, it's doing very well at present by all, um, uh, by all accounts. Uh, B would be an investment bank that is losing share. It has no prime brokerage. This is largely due to the uh, the collapse of this Archegos capital collapse, I can't pronounce that, but it was Trader Bill Huang's family office or hedge fund, whatever you want to call it. It blew up in March 2021 after making massive, basically wrong way bets. Um, ongoing cases, there are legal liability here, fines from the pathetic oversight really of Credit Suisse's on the operations of this kind of quasi fund. Uh, they also have a fund distribution suite uh, that is uh, by all 
accounts, not the greatest business. So those are three, four main areas. Credit Suisse stock, what has it done year to date? It's down 56%. Uh, this is you know driven by lower earnings per share expectations. In 2021, analysts uh, forecasted $2, two francs, sorry, a share. Uh, in EPS now down to 64 cents or whatever that is in francs, 64 cents per share. That's a 68% decline. So it's not surprising to see this share price down 56%. So over the weekend, there was a sharp rise in spreads on the bank's credit default swaps or CDSs. These offer protection against a company defaulting on its debt. This is what some FinTwit and Reddit on FinTwit and Reddit, we're calling Europe's Lehman moment. So is it? Um, probably not likely, at least not yet. I'm going to quote some figures from a tactical trader that I found on um, on Twitter. Maybe we shouldn't be quoting them, but we will. Uh, see, But these are pretty easy to access. Now, he said that CDSs are a bit hard to understand, and they can be. So he is instead focusing on Credit Suisse's bonds. So the 2025 Credit Suisse bonds... Uh, trade at 6.4%. If you want to compare that, for example, to Ukraine's 2025 debt, it trades at you know 67%. So you're talking about the European, Europe, or Ukrainian debt default makes sense, uh, in his opinion. Credit Suisse's debt default less so. So the bonds are pricing in pending credit event, are not pricing in, sorry, a pending credit event because in the July quarter, Credit Suisse, if you look at their capital ratios, their CE2-1 capital adequacy ratios at 13.5%. Right now, that's where they were as at last quarter, within the bank's own target and well above the 8% international regulatory requirement or the 10% Swiss hurdle. So if you look at pre-08, 2008 era, sub-5% CET1s were common. So sub 5% was common. The CET capital adequacy right now at Credit Suisse is 13.5. So it's well within the company's own target. So not likely right now a Lehman Brothers moment, but it certainly uh, has impacted the stock and uh, sent people into a bit of a tizzy on Twitter and Reddit over the weekend. Maybe, like I said to Brett earlier today, trying to call out their, uh, make a call on their Lehman moment. Cause if you can ever get that call correct, um, you know, you'll be a legendary, uh, legendary investor. One idea so, is just to make the call enough times that eventually you're going to be correct. <laughs> we, I think we talked about that last week, right? Yeah. And just focus on the one time you were right. I was yeah. right. I did make 400 calls in the last month, but mm -hmm. that one I got, look at me. Right. So we wanted to look at another, we touched on that now. Um, doesn't look like a Lehman's Brothers um, moment for Europe at this point, but we'll continue to monitor it, of course. Now, this morning, uh, or uh, Brennan has a, a tweet I think he picked up from. Yeah, I've uh, got another tweet. Michael Burry, right? Um, the big yeah, short. Yeah, exactly. Just kind of like leading off of someone who, you know, kind of called the Lehman moment uh, back in the day. That's how we Michael do a J. segue. Burry. Yeah, that's a segue. All right. Um, but yeah, Michael J. Big short. He, he yeah. is. Yes, yeah. he is. Um, so essentially, I, I saw this tweet uh, last Friday, and he says, uh, this morning, there were still 218 primary stock listings in the United States with a market cap over 1 billion and EBITDA 
less than negative 100 million. 29 of them had market caps over 10 billion, totaling 655 billion. Saying it again, all the silliness must go. I'm going to make a guess that every one of these companies or almost every one of these companies are in the technology software space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, there's yeah, probably some outside, but there's, well, we just did a huge sweep and there's, I, I would agree the majority. And we were just even that. focusing on the ones we weren't even really looking too deeply at the ones with yeah. negative EBITDA. We were looking at the ones with high revenue growth um, that were had some, at least some profitability and some positive cash flow. Um, so, but even in that segment, which, which we would consider a much higher quality segment, certainly from a profit perspective, it's, um, you know, you, you had huge, still huge valuations in spite of the fact that like many of these companies, um, had taken 80% cuts to the share price and also other, other things to consider, like, um, share-based compensation really distorting the profitability picture. So, you know, looking at company, looking like it had really strong margins, um, if you ignore the share-based compensation, but if you consider that in the earnings, then those um, those profits turn into into losses. So it's um, it's certainly not a situation in tech. Now there are some tech na- some some specific names that we think offer good value, but it's certainly not a um, is certainly not a situation in tech that the recent uh, downturn in that market has created you know opportunities right across the sector. There's still a lot of of risk, and I would agree 100. percent yeah, there's still a lot of frothiness. We, we went over the numbers. They, they got so out of whack on the high side that, you know, the pendulum, t- we had the first half of this year with the markets uh, down 20%, which is the worst first half in 52 years. We keep harping on that. Despite that, um, the pendulum has swung back just to slightly close to even in terms of valuations. And you're still looking at the face of a potential recession. You may or may not have that, but there's certainly more uncertainty now than uh, when in you know 2019 to the, the levels 2020. You know, just the start of 20 before COVID hit, but certainly less uncertainty then than there is right now. So if you're looking at valuations that are similar to that time, um, it doesn't it it doesn't factor in any of the potential shocks that could be coming forward. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's something to certainly look for and we're continuing to monitor Once again, whether or not. This doesn't mean that there isn't good value in the space. Of course. There is that like a, value has really improved for some select names. Um, but what we're finding those is, is, is really in a lot of the larger cap, more established companies where it's, it's that mid cap, um, uh, super high growth, uh, focus on revenue, less focus on profitability segment of the of the tech market that was the most expensive a year ago and continues to still be relatively expensive. Yeah, like we always say, it's a market of stocks, not a stock market. You don't have to buy the entire market. You can buy individual companies. And like some of the, the traditional fangs or magna or whatever they're called now, um, there are a couple companies in there right now that trade at uh, valuations that we haven't seen, like one of the companies trades at a valuation, it's lowest valuations ever, and just has an absolute fortress balance sheet. And we continue to like it. And I think you'll be very happy if you bought it today and look five years into the future where you bought it at this price. Now, whether or not it has another 15% or 10% decline in it, um, trying to pick the bottom is very difficult and often a fool's game. 
buying a great company at, at a reasonable price is what we would suggest. And you know, that's what we're focusing on in terms of the companies that we're buying right now. Now, should we get into our debate? Let's do it. Let's do it. Are we? Yeah, with that comment, the markets, we're done with the markets for this week. Let's look at an individual company. Uh, We've got questions on this. When we were in uh, actually Toronto, we had several questions on the company Constellation Software. So we thought we'd do a debate. Uh, It is a a reasonable business to do a debate on, which is nice to see. Uh, Constellation Software Inc., CSU on the TSX, trades around $1,960. 41 point five billion dollar market cap uh, 0.2% dividend uh, the company is a Canadian software conglomerate essentially they acquire mission critical specialized software companies its goal is to create a vertically integrated portfolio of software companies allowing allow the acquired companies to become and maintain a leader in their prospective industries it operates in six groups. Valeris, Harris, Jonas, Vila, Perseus, and Topicus, which is a public company in its own right. Uh, of All of these can be seen as little Constellation softwares, having the ability for each management team to exercise their discretion when it comes to acquisitions with minimal corporate interference. So all these subgroups are uh, little Constellations. It's been a massive success story, gaining over 10,000% that it's, it listed in 2006 and a solid 178% over the past five months. But as they say, the bigger they are, the harder they fall, eh, Aaron? So let's get to it. Or, you know, you, you look at the track record of a successful growth I have track record, smack record, right? Like, I, I should say Ryan is is the, he is the yeah, bear case. That's just strange. That that's comment. really strange. Yeah. Yeah. Ryan just, is the bear case. Happened. I'm the bull case. Uh, do we flip to see who goes first? Yep. Okay. So so let's do that. Do flip the, it. The honors? I'll take Brennan? heads. Okay. First you heads. take heads. Yeah. Just pull You got a coin, Brennan? Yep. It is heads. All right. So I'm going first. Mm-hmm. Ooh, okay. Nice. Let's do this. You gonna, Brennan, you're going to count him in? I am going to count him in. Again, Aaron is doing the four. Excited. Are you ready, Aaron? Bull versus bear. Stock battle. I am ready. It's the okay. bull. It's the bull, baby. It's the bull. Three, two, one. Constellation is one of the most successful stocks in Canadian market history. Proven business model and strong fundamentals across the board. Tremendous track record of financial success, growth and profitability in every year. Revenue has grown by nearly six times over the last 10 years from $900 million to $5.1 billion, and net cash flow has grown by almost 10 times. Recent financial performance continues the trend with Q2 revenue up 30% and constant currency organic growth of 2%, 5% organic growth last year. The many billions invested into acquisitions over the years have been funded primarily with free cash flow. The company rarely issues shares and maintains a healthy balance sheet. CSU stock has been resilient through the tech market crash. The share price is down only 5% over the past 12 months, while many comparable software stocks are down well over 50%. The valuation is about 35 times trailing cash flow, which isn't cheap, but you have to pay a little more for high quality assets. And we must consider this growth at a reasonable price time. See, if this were a rap battle, I, I feel like I'd want to drop the mic. But since my <laughs> mic is a little big, I feel like I want to drop my mouse. I'm just worried that, you know, I might break it. So just imagine 
Yeah, right on the most drop. I, I think he dropped something before that. That <laughs> so I'm not going to say Ooh, what it right. was. It could have been acid, but no, I'm just all right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Are you ready, Ryan? I'll count you in. Yeah, for sure. From I'll oh. count you in from twenty. Twenty. Just kidding. Three. It's really funny. Two. One. Go. Constellation grows by acquisition, but it has a problem. Like we just saw with Michael Burry and we talked about, tech valuations remain high. Debt is more expensive and the company has negative organic growth. Q2 free cash flow was down significantly. Cash flow from operations was down 55%. High valuations, PE of 61, price to FFO of 24, EV to EBITDA of 22, and with $1.52 billion in net debt. Organic growth is shrinking. From 14% in Q1 2021 to 7% down to 4, down to 1, and negative 2 in the last quarter. Without organic growth, CSU needs acquisitions, but due to its size, management is having issues finding suitable acquisitions which meet its initial criteria, paying out a special dividend even in 2022 as it couldn't effectively deploy its capital. Constellation is not a bad company, but is it the right time to buy with high valuations, negative organic growth in the face of a recession? Growth by acquisition works until it doesn't. The only logical answer is no. Drop acid. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Okay, so Uh, do we make any, like, retorts here, or do we just... Leave it to the judge. Silence. Oh, just kidding. I'm just joking. Um, I mean, you can make a retort if you want. I think. Um, uh, you know, you want like to know what? Guys I mean, the judges have we can always. Why don't we leave it to the judges? Yeah. And if the okay. judges have questions, because um, we've set yeah. our bet, right? I so. think the judges are smart enough to know exactly. The judges yeah, are brilliant. That's why yeah, they're in the position true. that they're in. They're just <laughs> Man, do they look smart. So I think the well, one especially Brandon and and Brian, especially him. <laughs> thanks, yeah. thanks. They look really smart. <laughs> All, right. All right. Now that you guys are done buttering us up, so uh, um, I think the one big thing that that is a little concerning, like Ryan said, is or we're, we're seeing organic growth decline. Like you, I think Ryan said something like it, it went from fourteen percent to five percent. Now it's negative in the last quarter. I think that's what he said. Um, is there a question in that? <laughs> there is not a question. Wait, in that. Do you I'm have a question about there the could be. growth in the last yeah. quarter? No. Because um... okay. if you do, I, I'm happy. To <laughs> Aaron's if just, you don't, just though, wants to get something What was the net there? debt to EBITDA? Do we have... Under one. Do we know? Under one? Okay. So, you know, that's... I don't think that's a concern. Is that including leases? It should it's be including leases. Matter. I believe it is it's including fine. leases, but I'd have to So I don't think that the debt is... It's not a bad... It's not a net bet. I guess it it's, really it's just net comes net down to, you know, the growth for the price we're paying. Does it offer growth at a reasonable price? So last year you said, Aaron, it was 5% organic growth for the year in 2021. Is that correct? On a constant currency basis. On a constant let currency me, let basis. Let me specify that actually organic growth was positive. In the quarter, on a constant currency basis, it was negative when when considering foreign exchange. Okay. For the, um, for and the overall revenue was up with 30%. 30%? 30%, yeah. 30%. What do you think, Brett? Well, I... I, I can tell uh, both of them are reading my report, well, especially Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh, he, he's, he's been taking some of my words verbatim, to say the least. Um, Which is I a will smart say, thing to though, do. 
It is a smart thing. He is. It is a bit helpful. But uh, on the constant currency thing, I should add that they have significant operations in uh, Europe as well. So as their currencies have plummeted over the last year or so, it has had quite a bit of a headwind. And something which I will pose to you guys is, do you think they're going to have more opportunity for mergers and acquisitions in a recessionary scenario? Well, I think potentially they, they would. Um, but what the way I would look at an acquisition strategy like that is, yeah, it's going to be a little bit volatile from period to period. There's going to be some quarters where the acquisitions are lower, some where they're higher. Um, but you look at the track record, obviously they have the the team to identify great. I mean, their, their track record is certainly one of the top in the market. I don't know if they can acquire anything anymore. It's it's really up in the air. After you make your judgment, I'll have another comment about that. <laughs> so I am going to say, given the 5% organic growth, which isn't bad, but like Aaron said, 35 Two. times. 2%. 35. In the quarter, 5% last year. By the way, last year's that's constant currency as well, because I wanted to be consistent. It was 7% last year, just before constant currency, but you know. Sometimes you, you know, benefit, sometimes. I think over the long run, seeing That's organic true. growth decline, seeing 5% organic growth while we're paying 30 times or 35 times cash flow, I am going to have to say that Ryan is the winner on this one. And I I would argue that it was basically because of the coin flip. Brett, do you Yeah, no, I, I agree. He, it, it's a bit unfair when uh, he's taken my words. It's hard to argue <laughs> against yourself. <sighs> oh, I don't think say you agree with Brett. I agree with myself. Or with, with... <laughs> <laughs> you say you agree with, with Brennan? Brett won the debate. What is the judgment? I think Ryan wins. Yeah, I, th- I think he does. I've I just lost all respect to both of you as analysts. <laughs> you guys are awesome. That's Thankfully, I, I didn't have much to begin with, but the little yeah. bit that I did... It's gone. It's gone. Yeah. So, okay. I, I, I you want to know what? 5% organic growth is an excellent growth rate. Um, mm-hmm. You know, maybe they did 14 in the past. I would argue that was probably maybe in like one year or something. It was a quarter. It was a quarter. Yeah. So, was, what, so and, Ryan and basically cherry-picked... Corsi Cherry though. picked the highest <laughs> quarter of organic growth so that he could try and create the illusion of a downward trend. And you guys fell for it. No, no. <laughs> this is literally like one of the best too. track records in the Canadian market. And 35 times cash flow for a long Would you buy it right now, Aaron? Would you also buy it right now? And you want to know what? Yeah. I would very much yeah. consider And you want to know what? If it had um, more of a yield, I would consider it for the income stock. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I will say... And this in no way eliminates any of the statements that I've made about Brett and Brennan. Ryan, you know, did a good job of twisting and transforming <laughs> yeah, the data. Because I came in, I'm just like, Ryan's done. There's no way. I'm, I'm, he's, he's toast, it's a, right? Constellations after, after your, are really good talk, though, I was kind of like, whoa, yeah. like he can definitely distort mm-hmm. the truth. <laughs> it's true. For his own purposes. So Impressive. who knows? Like... Yes. For the for the extremely gullible, he, he's I'm joking, his guys. Career. I'm joking. His political guys. career is up next. It's Don't true. worry. It's I've true. always told. Yeah. I've always actually. I've been telling Ryan for years he should run for office. <laughs> he already has a hair. That is it. not a compliment. That's all I can say. That is like not a compliment at all. All right, guys. You uh, guys stay. No, but whatever. It was. <laughs> I still love you both. I'm just. Constellation you know, is I'm is being a, a sore just, loser. Here. Mm-hmm. 
Constellation is a really well-run company and they've been able to like run that very difficult line between, you know, growth by acquisition, some organic growth. It's, you know, been coming down, but it's still not bad, you know, in the rate, if they can do 5% um, and at the size they're at is the, is the thing. It's just a a downturn should help them to be honest. It should Mm -hmm. actually help them in terms of obviously in terms of valuations, uh, labor costs in technology, you know, that could help them as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I would love to see them with a massive net cash position, right? Like that would be a topper for me, you know, being involved in the company. Oh, I'd like but to see them with massive net net cash, 100% growth. And I do. I do sometimes wonder why they, ha- revenue. they hadn't raised, you know, used mm-hmm. a little bit of share or used a little bit of share issuance when they were uh, a little higher as well just to use that money again in a downturn, which but they generate comes. so much free cash flow that they've been able to, they do it most out of cash, which is great. Right. Yeah. 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 It's great. What's the special you know, dividend? Do you know how 500 much million or something? 500 wasn't million? It? Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah. It was a significant amount. I believe yeah. I think it was in that range. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. we, we yeah. can, I mean, look, whatever, we can you know, we all, everybody knows 500. Yeah. So <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> I hope you guys enjoy your five dollar checks. The fix Ryan, is I didn't in. even yeah. sign. You're gonna get your checks <laughs> in the mail. You're gonna be like Ryan. You forgot to sign. He's like, oh yeah, I'll send you another check. Uh, wow, I like uh, how he did this postage. gets between between What's you that? guys. I think we. Ha- I know. I- I like how heated this gets it between you guys. I think we need more Ryan oh, yeah. Aaron debates. Oh, yeah. We're more heated with you guys. No, I was well, I, just so everybody knows it was Brennan and Brett's idea. They said we want to see Ryan mm-hmm. and Aaron go head to head. And mm-hmm. I thought, yep. you know, Ryan was, you could see Ryan's face go white. No, I, I thought it was a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> I'm saying totally. that we actually won. So, yeah. <laughs> I seem really, I was very perturbed. You were so scared you couldn't even. I, I would like to look at those organic growth numbers for myself now too, just to yeah, like see just, how much I was. Dude. Don't worry about it. <laughs> they are the raw numbers. There's, I mean, not, there's no, there's no, there's no lie in what Sorry, I'm saying. Picking. They're the well, raw numbers. It's not a lie if you believe that it's true, right, George? It's true. <laughs> George Costanza? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, it's true. Uh, uh, no, that was a good it's one. Not, it's not you, one. it's me. It's not I liked you, it. It was. Me. It was. I think it was a good company. Um, and you know, in the future, I think we're just really going to endeavor to find stocks to debate where they can literally go either way. I don't know. You guys thought that won it on the coin toss. Maybe that was the way it, it was. But I think that that was a company that could have. I, I thought either it was way. close. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I thought that was yeah. a company that could have gone either way personally. And um, you know, yeah, it's good. Uh, I, no, I, I thought it was actually quite close honestly mm-hmm. even though yeah. ryan was taking my words when i was writing this report i was going back and forth on it which is why i thought it would be good like um, a good like the, a good back catcher in baseball so what you're I, fr- saying I framed the, the pitch really well i framed the, the pitch for ryan isn't that kind of like if there's a court case <laughs> no. the judge does the closing and the opening hey, and all the you, questioning you, for the for the you for had the my report as well. you, you could have you had report. access <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I do this. <laughs> you uh, could have just torn my all right, let's move on. Yeah, yeah, we, move we, on. We, yeah. I was good. We I, gotta, I was good. All right. Let's move we got to get to Algoma and um, uh, Stelco. Stelco. I think it yeah. should be. This is almost a debate between the two of them. Uh, but it's, you know, we'll, we'll look at what Algoma, Algoma did over the past week and what Stelco has done. And then we'll dig into the, those two businesses. We get I'm a ton of questions on these companies. Yeah, yeah. We get a ton of questions on these. 
too bad we did assigned it to Brennan, but you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what he comes up with. Do you want me to do the same? Sure, he'll get the company description right. <laughs> Brennan, Brennan already had a little bit of a cry before this. So. Yeah, I did. I did. Oh, poor. All okay. Right. It's time we answer a question on your stock in a little segment we like to call Your Stock, Our Take. Buy, sell, or hold. So, uh, yeah, we had a, a question on Algoma Steel. Uh, ASTL on the uh, TSX and someone posted on one of our older Stelco uh, videos STLC on the TSX uh, as well so I thought that you know it might be a good idea to compare these two similar businesses so Stelco Holdings engages in the production and sale of steel products in Canada the United States and internationally it offers flat rolled value added steel including coated pre-painted cold rolled and hot rolled sheet products, as well as pig iron and metallurgical coke. The company sells its products to customers in the construction, automotive, energy, appliance, and pipe and turbine industries. Algoma Steel, very similar. It produces and sells steel products primarily in North America. It provides flat and sheet steel products, including temper rolling, cold rolled, hot rolled, pickled, and oiled products, uh, floor plate, and cut-to-length products for the automotive industry, product manufacturers, for the light manufacturing and transport industries, as well as some infrastructure. So both of these companies have come under question due to their low valuations following the rise in steel prices during 2021 and 2022, and the subsequent increase in profitability for both companies. So let me just you know run down the line here and kind of compare the two. So Stelco right now trades at about $34.85 and it has a $2.2 billion market cap. Uh, Algoma trades at about $9 and has a $938 million market cap. Uh, Stelco pays a 3.5% yield, which is slightly higher than Algoma's of 2.9%. And both have a payout ratio in the most recent quarter, uh, just under 4%. Uh, so they're not paying too much out in earnings, but we would expect to see this payout increase as profitability was a little lofty here. And I'll get into that shortly. Uh, so for the most recent quarter, uh, Stelco's revenue was up 13% year over year, while Algoma's was up 18%. And Stelco's adjusted EPS was up 14% year over year, as well as adjusted EBITDA was up 13%. Whereas Algoma's Earnings per share were down 47% and adjusted EBITDA was up 27%. Looking forward, both companies came out with not the best guidance, obviously because of where we're, we've seen steel prices go. Uh, Stelco's management said that adjusted EBITDA in Q3 is expected to be material, materially below the Q2 level and further weakening is expected in Q4, assuming the lower prices and shorter lead times being experienced currently fully impact results and prevail through the remainder of 2022. Essentially, this is the same for Algoma, where they provided Q2 2023 adjusted EBITDA guidance in the range of 75 to 80 million, which would be a decline of 82% year over year. So you can see that they're really chewing through these tough comparables right now. Looking at the balance sheets, both are very cashed up, uh, with Stelco having $1.2 billion in net cash, which is about 55% of their market cap, and Algoma has $1.04 billion in cash, which is 110% of their market cap. Looking for the uses for the cash, 
Uh, Stelco recently commenced a substantial issuer bid to purchase up to 30 million shares outstanding at $35 per share for an aggregate purchase amount of about $1.05 billion, and they're looking at retiring about 47% of their shares, and they also recently increased their quarterly dividend. And Algoma actually just recently did the same thing as well with their cash. They had a substantial issuer bid where it purchased for cancellation 41 million common shares at a purchase price of $9.75 for an aggregate purchase price of approximately 400 million. Um, So this 400 million that they went used to buy back shares was after the last quarter was reported. So we should remove that 400 million from that net cash balance uh, that I quoted earlier. Um, and just looking at the valuations, they are very low here, uh, but this is looking to change, you know, like management's uh, guidance uh, being very lower going forward. So right now they have a trailing PE of 1.5 times uh, for Stelco and a trailing PE of 1.1 times uh, for Algoma. So both businesses are heavily reliant on the price of steel, which is why each management team is guiding toward weaker quarterly results over the next few quarters. But it is great to see that both companies are aggressively retiring shares while they are cashed up from a period of increased profitability. My short and sweet conclusion is that if one was looking to purchase either stock in the near term, I think that patience may pay off as both companies need to lap through their difficult comparable results from steel trading in the $1,800 range, uh, as ultimately the trailing numbers will look better than the forward numbers. So once these numbers are lapped and both companies push for growth into 2023 and 2024, I think it would be good to revisit each story to really get a gauge on the growth going forward and what their valuations do actually look like. Um, But, you know, one last thing that I will say, it is very interesting to see uh, how EPS or earnings per share will be affected uh, for both of these businesses uh, with all of the share backs. But yeah, just in the near term, I would be cautious. Um, I think that both are good businesses, but uh, yeah, just very uh, reliant on the price of steel. Right. And and if we go back, you know, about a year ago um, or even say nine months ago when inflation was really starting to rear its head, the the story was, well, commodities, that's the place you go as an inflation hedge. Like that's what's going to do well during an inflationary environment. And really, it, it, that has not been the case at all, obviously. I mean, if you we, we've been through it before. If you look at steel prices, um, iron prices, uh, copper prices, metal prices, and their, their lumber prices all down significantly over that period of time. Um, oil has performed better, natural gas better as well. But for the most part, commodities have not been a place to hide out during an inflationary period. Quite the opposite. Anybody who transitioned to a very commodity-heavy portfolio in the first quarter of this year has has, has been has not done well. Uh, once again, outside of outside of the energy space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it is interesting to see interesting to see Algoma trading below cash value. It's net cash value per share, right? That's what it's trading at. So, I, did it? Do you know? Did it burn through cash in the last quarter? Is that expected to happen going forward, or are you? Do you I mean, they we could still look aren't burning. It cash yet like you mean on a cash flow basis essentially Mm -hmm. yeah so i don't believe that they're actually burning cash yet um but i mean we will you know potentially see that in the yeah i mean steel prices it's funny because they're still up year to date Mm -hmm. but i mean you know 
both share prices are down year to date uh, after, you know, but steel, you know, is down significantly from its highs in March, like the end of March. So, I mean, you can still have a positive year year to date figure in terms of where the price of steel has went. But if it peaked, everybody got excited and then drops down 30, 40%, the share prices don't do well. I mean, it, it's hard to be a long-term investor in some of these companies as, you know, there, there's massive fluctuations from quarter to quarter. I mean, if you're looking at it like on a book value and you thought, you know, even in downtimes in terms of steel that they could, or that, you know, they could be cash flow positive, which, you know, sometimes in the past they haven't, but if they could just burn a small amount of cash, you know, maybe that would be a, a place in your portfolio for a speculative position. And then you would be, cashing out when there were higher prices in steel, right? Because it's just going to fluctuate a bit like a yo-yo in some of these businesses. But, you know, right now on the current valuations like Algoma, they, they both look relatively cheap, but they're going to have quarters that will face periods where these had higher steel prices, lower steel prices, margins get squeezed and in many cases crushed and you have lower EPS. So if you're looking at lower EPS, that typically even if it's in a quarter, it doesn't drive share prices higher in the near term. And just to just give some perspective here, I just I pulled up the analyst estimates for Stelco. So um, they have here five analysts covering and the uh, earnings per share from last year, about $20. So that would put them at about 1.5 times. Um, but for the current year, earnings are expected to be cut in half to about 1177 and then cut in half again next year to 523. So if you're looking at 2023 earnings, analyst estimates, now you're looking at a valuation that is, you know, in the range of six to seven times, which isn't, um, you know, for, for a cyclical commodity price sensitive stock is not necessarily very cheap at all. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it just shows you how far those earnings, if the price of steel comes down, how far they can fall off a cliff, right? So, it, it, you know, it's mm -hmm. such such a significant drop that is why you know you can see a company with a net cash position trading at 1.2 times earnings it means it seems crazy to see that when you see it you know tech companies trading at 50 times sales right and this company's trading at 1.2 times earnings and actually goes down in a year right so mm -hmm. its earnings fluctuate and can go to the negative at times right if, if you have in a quarter where you can have them lose gobs of money not saying these two companies but commodity-based businesses, generally speaking. That is the risk when you're investing in these. So. Absolutely. I think that does it for this week. I'm going to thank my co-hosts, Brett, Brennan, and Aaron. Uh, we'll continue to ask you to smash that subscribe button on our YouTube page. Sign up there. Subscribe to it. Keep your questions coming into our Your Stock, Our Take segments. If you want us to compare companies, debate any businesses, get those questions in. Rate and review us on iTunes as we still have this in podcast version and we'd love you listening on there as well. Keep your questions coming in. And as always, we wish you profitable investing. Thank you. Great. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everyone. Thank you.